Hey, 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 what's happening, y'all? This is Candy Kane from CandyCaneRuns.com. Welcome to Ground Zero, session number one. Welcome to I Race You, you are tuned into I Race Podcast. Podcast that moves with your hostess, Candy Kane. Welcome to I Race You, are tuned into I Race. If you are listening to this, you have stumbled across my first episode of my first podcast. I race is what I do. I inspire recovery actively through a commitment to exercise. You don't have to be an athlete to tune into this podcast. You just have to have open mind and open ears. I created the I race platform to motivate and to help others recover through the use of movement, exercise. It can be exercising your mind, exercising your body, exercising your soul. I'm not here to persuade you, coerce you into becoming a marathoner, an ultra runner, a triathlete, an Ironman. I'm not here to get you to, to change your religion. I'm merely here to share a miracle with you and inspire you to improve your daily life through wellness. When I say recovery, I don't want you to think that this podcast is only for people with substance abuse. It could be, but it's not. It's for anybody that has had something traumatic in their lives. It could be a car accident, shooting, sexual assault, domestic abuse, loss of a limb, a bad breakup, a divorce, loss of a loved one, and the list goes on and on and on. It could be just a horrible, no good, very bad day. I pray that in sharing with you that it inspires positive change in your lives. I'll share Candy Cane's journey, which has ups, downs, twists, and turns. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Candy Cane, who are you? I am Candy Cane. I am a Christian. I am a disabled veteran with a spinal cord and brain injury. I am a survivor of domestic violence. I am a survivor of sexual trauma in the military. I am a walking quad. I'm a para-athlete, a marathoner, a duathlete, and triathlete. I'm a single mom. I'm a speech-language pathologist. I'm the person doctors said would never walk again. I'm a miracle. I'm on a journey to complete a half marathon in all 50 states and D.C. I'm vitamin D deficient. I'm a blogger and a novice podcaster. I'm an Uber driver, a social worker, a baker, a bartender, a butcher, a pizza delivery man. Edmond got to go to work. Well, the last few things, not so much. And if you're familiar with In Living Color, then you know what I just did there. Let's talk about This Hill Podcast. This is a weekly podcast featuring yours truly, a person that's overcome many obstacles by changing my mindset, holding on to my faith, and integrating exercises into my life. Exercise is a great outlet and 
It has immediate and long-term health benefits. And most importantly, regular activity can improve your quality of life, even when you have chronic pain. My goal is to give you inspiration, motivation to live a healthier, happier, joy-filled life. I'm sure you want to know, how did it begin? You're not going to believe this, but I was a chunky monkey. I gained the freshman 15 and the freshman 20 and the freshman 25. And the great state of Texas makes sure that you have four PE credits back in 1990. And so I did aerobics. I did swimming. I did weight training. When I left East Texas State, and that's a whole nother story. Boy, I got a lot of stories. And I ended up in the University of Houston. I joined the ROTC program. I did the PT class, which is physical training, in the mornings. Later, I became an ROTC student and did Ranger Challenge. We did cool things and climbed obstacles and rappelled off Robertson Stadium. But that's a whole other story. But that is how I got introduced into physical activity. And it was awesome. The unfortunate thing is that I had to run. I hate running. Running is like, for me, okay? There are people that love it. I am not one of it. Not one of them. Not at all. So, think about this. I'm a chunky monkey, and I've got to run two miles in 18 minutes and 45 seconds. Well, the first time I run it, I run it in 21 minutes and 45 seconds. I'm all out of breath. Now, you know, I've run and I'm walking and I am awful at it. Do you understand? Awful. I thought I was going to die. And I was like, why would people want to do this? The push-ups, the sit-ups, oh, I got you. The flutter kicks, I got you. You want me to bear claw a whole football field? That's fine. I was in the band. I did that as punishment. I got that. But run is something that I just don't do. I was like men on film. So before I left and joined the army, I could actually run it in 18 minutes. And that was a combination of running and walking. I was reintroduced to exercise after my accident. Fast forward a million years later, and I'm in a vehicle with two other NCOs and I skid on black ice. I am in the front seat passenger side and I see that we're about to hit a guardrail and I say dear God please relax my body and prepare me for this wreck boom lights out I was asleep well what I don't know is the axle broke we flipped over multiple times the person behind me wasn't wearing a seat belt and we're shaking up like a box of candy Then we landed in a ditch. I have no idea how I got out. I don't know if they tried to revive me because nobody talks to me about that. That was just something that was taboo. Uh, In 1999, nobody was taking pictures of you and posting them on Facebook because we didn't have Facebook. But to my understanding, they kicked out the front windshield and drug me out and paced me on the cold ground. And now I have civilians, German civilians, driving by 
and uh, putting blankets on top of me. Now, I don't know how many people here are veterans, but we have this thing called Sergeant's Time Training. And on Thursdays, especially at Fort Hood, we would have training. We would get off work early, like at 3 o'clock. So we'd have mandated family time. And that's one day a week. But we would do Sergeant's Time Training all morning. And helping people with basic first aid was part of those classes. And covering people over and under was discussed. Apparently, nobody listens. Because... Nobody covered me under. They just covered me on top. And I got hypothermia. What's up with that? Well, let me just tell you. That was a blessing. Truly, truly a blessing for me. Because it reduced the swelling in my brain. I woke up after the aftermath to a crying woman of large stature. And um, I'd seen her before. I didn't recognize her. She kind of reminded me of Eveline and the Wiz. And she was, <laughs> and you know, she didn't melt or anything. But then I heard this other lady, and she was like rude, and she was using profanity. And she was basically telling her, you need to get the heck up out of here. And all I remember was that I couldn't move anything. And the only thing I could move were my eyes. And I tried to talk and it hurt to form words. And I remember that she told me that I was in the hospital and not to cry, but my eyes were stinging. My right eye was definitely stinging. And I didn't know at that time that I'd broken the blood vessels in that eye. I didn't know that I had a punctured lung. I didn't know any of those things. But when I got home after the accident, my eye was red. It was the reddest red I had ever seen. You could barely see the pupil. It was so red. So I can only imagine what it looked like on day one. And so, you know what? Let me just take time right here. We need to take a break. I need to take a pause. Who? goes to the hospital and cries on somebody. Really? Really? That's what we're going to do. You see somebody jacked up and you're going to be like, oh, no, don't do it. It's not a fashion no-no. It's a hospital no-no. Okay? You need to take hospital one-on-one. -on -one. When you go to the hospital, you compose yourself. You do whatever it takes for you to compose yourself. Bite your lip, bite your tongue, suck your cheeks in. I don't know. Look like you have something stuck up your butt, but don't cry. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're causing that person to have some type of reaction. And we don't want them to have a reaction. You know, their heart rates increase. It changes the blood pressure, the breathing. I mean, the person can go into shock. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know if I was disfigured or not. She was definitely not helping. All right, back to the story. After the lady that I heard cursing, that would be Denise, my arch enemy, she didn't like me very much because she worked at the daycare center where I dropped off my son. And she said I was too happy in the mornings at five o'clock. 
I'm still happy at five o'clock in the morning. I'm not changed that about me. But uh, she ushered my next door neighbor out of the hospital. And I know that I closed my eyes and when I opened them again, I saw my guardian angel or who I thought was my guardian angel sitting in the corner of my room with their head down. And I was looking at this black lady. I was like, wow, guardian angels come in black. So cool. And I closed my eyes. I am assuming I closed my eyes because everything went black again. And then I could feel warmth. And I opened my eyes again and she was standing over my bed and she was smiling down at me. And then I closed my eyes and the room was dark. Everything was dark, but I heard Deutsch. I heard German speaking over the intercom. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am in a concentration camp. Hitler has gotten me and I'm in a concentration camp and I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I couldn't look around. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And then a nurse came in and I did not want her to touch me because I was afraid that they were going to do something to me because I didn't realize she was a nurse. I was terrified. And they had to sedate me because I was fighting. I was very combative. And then I was asleep. I woke up again. Rita Moreno from the electric company had come to talk to me and to tell me that the end of the world was not going to happen in the year 2000. So for those of you that are old enough to remember Y2K and how at the end of 1999, everybody was panicked that either the computers are going to blow up, it was going to be the end of the world, just some crazy things were going to happen. I never, ever believed it. So I don't even know why in my subconscious that would come. But I remember that I could tell my mom that Rita Moreno came to visit me. And I told her that probably a couple weeks later, but I remember telling her and she was like, really? Well, that was nice. I didn't see her. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> do you even know who Rita Moreno is? Oh my gosh. And clearly she did not realize that it was a lady from the television or she would have known that it was a confabulation. And a confabulation is basically a lie. Okay, it's something that I concocted that I really truly believed. So I'm going through these things while I'm in the German hospital. And as people walk past me and walk towards the right, they're disappearing. And I don't know why they're disappearing. I did not understand that I had right side neglect. And so what that means is you have vision in that eye, but your brain doesn't process the information that it's seeing. I didn't know that was going on. It's an interesting phenomenon. I started studying it when I studied brain trauma later on in life. But um, let me get back to the actual meat of the story. After my tubes were pulled out, I was given my first meal. I got Melba toast and coffee. There was probably something else, but I don't remember what the third thing was. Yeah, I don't think there was a third thing. I think it was just the Melba toast and the coffee. Well, let me just tell you, I don't drink coffee. First and foremost, I had never had Melba toast. 
So I definitely wasn't going to eat it. So I just let it sit there. I'm an American. I'm waiting on my applesauce, my yogurt, my something soft, my jello, my pudding, something. No, it's Melba Toast and Coffee. Let me just tell you now, if you ever find yourself in a hospital in Germany, eat your first meal. Because if you don't eat your first meal, you will not get a second or a third. There was no lunch and dinner for Candace. Candace was starving. Candace had tears running down her eyes. Candace couldn't even wipe them. Yeah, she was torn up. This was before she became Candy Cane. So the next day comes, bright and early, and they bring me coffee and Melba toast. It could have been rewarmed coffee from yesterday and the same toast from the day before. I wouldn't know and didn't care. I ate that stuff like it was the my last meal. I promise you I did. And I loved it. No, I really didn't love it. It scratched my throat. It hurt. The coffee was disgusting. But you would have never known it because I ate every bit of it. Lunchtime, I had bow tie pasta and something else I can't tell you. I just remember the bow tie pasta. I ate all of it and the vegetables. For dinner, uh, we're talking European dinner. You have a sandwich. I had some type of meat and cheese on rye and it was dry. I didn't have anything to wash it down because they offered me seltzer water. I don't drink sparkling water. That's what they give you. I drink tap water. Bottled water from America. You know, they do have bottled water in Germany. And I would drink that, but I didn't have any available. So my time in the hospital, I drank Fanta. So if you walked by my bed and you saw where my elimination, my void, my urine was, it was orange, like Fanta. I kid you not. I drank no water. The only water I got was through an IV. And that was my time in the German hospital. Now I had a doctor and let's say he was just Doogie Hauser. And the reason I say Doogie Hauser, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the 1989 to 1993 comedy, it was about a guy, a little teenager who was a doctor and he basically wanted to borrow his dad's car, take his girlfriend out on a date. Well, my doctor, I don't believe was a teenager. I don't remember what his name was, but I Pretty sure he was in his early 20s, and he was like a child prodigy, and he put me back together like the Bionic Woman and the Six Million Dollar Man. He took my pelvis and scraped some bone off, mixed it in a Petri dish, combined it with the titanium bracket and six screws that he placed in C6 through T1, and there you have it. I broke C6 and fractured C7. And I had damage to S1. Believe it or not, I had a punctured lung. And I can't remember if anything else was going on. But outside of the traumatic brain injury, that's about it. That'll do ya. And he came in one day and told me, Miss Caesar, you will never walk again. After he asked me to push down and lift up my foot and move my leg and of course nothing was happening because I was totally paralyzed at that time and the team of doctors were standing there with him as he made this announcement and I 
had to take pause. This man just told me that I'm never going to walk again. I am a sergeant in the United States Army. I have a two-year-old and I have a husband that is just crazy. And what I mean crazy, I mean he definitely was going to get me kicked out of the military had we stayed married. He caused lots and lots of trouble and I needed to be able to move around and move about. And this is the same person that uh, physically abused me. And I definitely need to be up and able to move, duck and dodge and be able to fight back. So this is unacceptable. What I say to the doctor is this. Oh, no, you don't know who my father is. Referring to God. I'm going to walk again. I'm going to walk a marathon. What in the entire world of the living was I thinking about when I said I was going to walk a marathon? Okay, nobody told me that a marathon was 26.2 miles. I guess I'm just supposed to know that. I'm a non-runner. I'm in the military. I run because they make me, not because I like it. I have to do it. I'm this person that falls out of the battalion run. I don't know how far battalion run ever was because I was the only NCO that would find a duty. I would have an asthma attack in the middle of the run. I know that was not me. Now you take me to the range. I got your, I got your expert. I'll be your range safety. I, I got you. I'll lead you wherever you need me to be, but don't ask me to run anywhere. Now, when I was in basic training in AIT, I was always the road guard. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. You'd run in formation, then you'd break out of formation, you run out to the side, you throw your hands up, and you're like, yeah! In hindsight, I'm thinking, so basically, I put myself in the danger for my platoon so a car could hit me while these people are running across the street. Okay, but I digress. This is all that we have time for today. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss next week's episode. Also, leave a comment in the comment section or a review in the comment section. You can follow me on Facebook at iRace, I-R-A-C-E, Candy, K-A-N-D-I. You can follow me on Twitter at Kane runs k-a-n-e-r-u-n-s you can follow me on instagram at candy underscore 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 k-a-n-e cane you can email me at iracemovers at gmail.com and movers try to get in at least 30 minutes of exercise one day this week all right let me know how you do have a good week